0: could quickly, quickly pass these things out as fast as you can. Everybody, including the kids, take one. If nothing else, the kids have something to write on. Go, go, pass, quick. Uh, This week, I had the privilege of visiting a uh, man who was my childhood pastor. And uh, one of the things that he used to do is he would, on a Sunday morning, say, okay, everybody take out your pen and your pencil, and we're going to have a Bible test. So I decided it would be a good thing if we actually did a Bible test today.
1: So, everybody take a piece of paper, quickly, quicker, quicker, quicker. Fast, fast. Come on, I have limited time, and I can't count this time. We have a couple right here who don't have any yet, please. Frank and Connie haven't gotten any yet. Quickly, quickly. Chop chop. Jillian. All right, have you got your paper? Everybody got paper? Frank and Connie? The Passer outers get one? Everybody have one? Everybody have one? Okay,
0: ready? Start with number one really quickly. Answer quickly, answer honestly. This is like visceral reactions. Number one, when Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, how did they get there? A, B, don't yell out your answers. Be quiet. Don't cheat off of somebody else's paper. Quit looking beside you.
1: You answer. Whatever you think it is, you put down that answer, all right? Shh. There are some of you that just can't help
0: yourself, can you? You need to get the plaque that my wife gave me, which said, Oh Lord, keep your arm around my shoulder and your hand over my mouth. That was a plaque my wife got me for Christmas. And you can guess why she did. Number two, how many angels spoke to the shepherds?
1: No answer, just answer on the paper. Circle the answer. How many angels spoke to the shepherds? Number three, how many wise men were there? A, B, C, or D? Which one? Hi. Okay, I heard. Good, strong voice. Number four. What animals were present at Jesus' birth? And number five, final, final question in this lengthy Bible quiz. In what books of the Bible can you find the story of Christ's birth? <clears throat> okay, has everybody answered them? Okay, now, everybody done? Okay, number one. When Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, how did they get there? Who thinks they have the right answer? Okay, what did you say? Good answer. Close. Very close. Anybody else have a different... Yes, do you have another answer? They ride it on a donkey. That's a good answer. Anybody else? Yes, Uh, any other one? Yes. They rode a camel. camel. Good answer. Anybody else? Yes, back. They walked. Good answer. Anybody else? Unknown
0: is the right answer. We don't know how they got there. I'm thinking maybe a limousine. I'm not sure. You know. I know you know. You told me. Number two. How many angels spoke to the shepherds? Who thinks they have the right
1: answer? Yes. How many? A multitude. Okay. Anybody else? Unknown. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. One is the right answer. Because it says, Then the angel, singular, said to them. Number three. How many wise men were there?
0: How many wise men were there? Yes. Three. Good answer. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Four. Okay, good. The fourth wise man. You've watched that movie. Good. Yes. Three. Anybody else? Cliff. Unknown. Unknown. We don't know how many wise men. It just says wise men came from the east. We don't know. I know you've written your own Bible. I know it. He is so confident of his answers, he's scaring me. Number four.
1: What animals were present at Jesus' birth? Oh my! Yes! Huh? Horses, sheep, and donkey. Good answer. Anybody else? Cow, sheep, and camels. Good answer. Yes. Unknown. We don't know what
0: animals were in there. We just know there might have been animals since it was a manger, you know, kind of stable place. Okay? That was the right answer. And finally, number five. In what books of the Bible can you find the story of Christ's birth? Yes. Good answer. Close. Very close. Yes. Over here.
1: Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You're getting closer. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you. Right answer.
0: Matthew and Luke. They're the ones that actually tell you the story. So, how many of you got all of them right? Wait, I just want to point this out. I said, how many of you got this right? Sam goes, and we are proud. Okay, that's your Bible test for the day. Would you open up to Matthew chapter 2 really quickly? Matthew 2, I told you this would be short, Matthew 2. I want to focus in this morning very briefly on a group of people who made an impact that first Christmas, and I believe they can still have an impact on us today.
1: Matthew chapter 2, okay, you can have a drink then. Okay, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Follow
0: along, would you please? Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The first group I want you to kind of keep your mind on, are the wise men. And interestingly here, it says they showed up in Jerusalem after the birth of Christ. In other words, contrary to many Bible stories, including even our Bible depiction last week, contrary to Bible movies, the wise men did not show up at the stable or at the manger. They came much later. In fact, if you just kind of skip down to verse 11 really quickly, verse 11 says that they came to the house where the young child was. The shepherds came to the stable and to the manger, but the wise men didn't show up for probably some time later, maybe even up to two years later, because that's why Herod wanted the children, boys ages two and under, to be killed, because he knew that it took them two years from the time they saw the sign that a baby was born until they actually arrived. So, they came much, much later. I also find it interesting, by the way, that the wise men came to Jerusalem instead of to Bethlehem to ask Herod for directions. And some people say that that's why these wise men were so famous is because they're the only men in all of history who ever stopped to ask for directions. Uh, I actually had somebody post on Facebook this week this little meme. Do you have this up there? Here we go. I like this one. Three wise women would have asked directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, brought practical gifts, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and there would have been peace on earth. I like that one. (laughs) It's certainly true in my home since my job is to eat all the food, not to do any of the work. It's just to eat it. Okay. Um, I do think, by the way, it makes sense that they would first go to Jerusalem because it was at Jerusalem that they had the palace where a king was. And if you're going looking for a king, where would you go but to a palace? But... Let's read on. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, it would be good for you to know about Herod. Herod. Herod was a guy who married up in life. Most of us guys do marry up. Most of us marry way higher than what we deserve. But Herod married an extended family member of Caesar Augustus. <clears throat> and because of that, he kind of won the right to have an important position in life. And so, Caesar, though, didn't like Herod. So he actually gave Herod the job of being in charge of Judea, which is the province where all of those pesky Jews were who didn't like the Roman religion or politics. So, Herod, when Herod
1: made his entry... Shh! I'm talking. When Herod made his entry into
0: Jerusalem, he did it with all kinds of banners and pictures of Caesar and of himself, which was a real offense to the Jews because of that whole no graven image thing. So when they rioted then because of all of this, Caesar sent back word to Herod and said, you either get Judea under control or you're out. So Herod, he began to get a little bit worried. So what does he do? And this is is all a part of history. Herod, first of all, killed his first wife and married up higher in Caesar's household. But then, as time went along, he had three sons. And he began to get worried that as those sons got older, they might actually want some of his power. So while his sons were still teenagers, he killed all of them. He was not a nice guy at all. In fact, as Herod got a little bit older and he knew that at one point he's going to die, Herod sent out his most trusted advisors and said, I want you to find the most loved people in all of Judea. And on the moment of my death, I want you to kill them. And the reason he did that is he wanted Judea to mourn at his death. And they knew. He knew they wouldn't mourn at his death. So he sent out advisors to kill people in order to make people mourn at his passing. Interestingly, those advisors didn't do it because they hated Herod. And so when Herod died, just like what recently happened overseas, all of Jerusalem broke out, all of Judea broke out in a big party in the streets. He was not a nice guy at all. So he was insecure. He was afraid. He wanted to maintain his power. And these wise men come along and say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And so he felt his position Was in jeopardy. Let's read on verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now, what I want to do is really quickly give you seven lessons that we can learn from the Magi,
1: from the wise men, okay? So really quickly, you're going to have to flesh this out yourself. What's the matter? Yeah, I know it. (laughs) Bye. Poor guy. Number one, really quickly, number one, They met God in the midst of their daily
0: lives. These were astrologers, just doing what astrologers do. Stare at the sky, stare at the stars. And when they did, God broke into their normal routine and He revealed Himself to them. What I want you to do is to catch this idea that God can meet you right where you're at. Uh, It strikes me as you read the Bible how often people were just going about their regular jobs when they met with God. Moses and uh, David were just keeping watch over their flocks. And they met with God. Saul was searching for his father's donkeys when he met with God. And here's Joseph. All he wants to do is get married. And he meets with God. And of course, the shepherds. Just out keeping watch over their flocks by night. And God shows up. And, And here's my point. You don't have to be involved in some kind of spiritual activity to meet with God. God wants to meet you right where you're at. In fact, what that maybe says to us is maybe we ought to take our regular routines more seriously. Maybe we ought to, in doing the things that we normally do every day, be aware that God might actually meet with us right there. Whether it be on a crane, or whether it be teaching physics, or working on an engine, or doing collections, whatever it is that you're doing, is it possible that God might actually want to meet with you right there? Number two, they found their way to real truth by God's leading. These guys believed that stars represented for them absolute truth. The stars were never wrong. They believed that the stars, actually each star, represented a god of a different nation or people group. And so when they saw this supernova in the sky, they believed that it represented the god of Judea, or the god of the Jews. And so they went searching for it. But I want you to catch this. These pagan unbelievers were searching for truth, and they ended up with God. And that ought to make sense to us. Because we've already read in John 14 that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And my point is this. If you really search for truth, you're going to end up at God. Because God is truth. There is no other real truth outside of God. If somebody is purporting something to be true, but it is contrary to God's character or person, it's not truth. All truth ultimately leads to God. So these guys actually searching for truth, but were pagans, they found God. And so I think about this in terms of maybe for some of you with your relatives who aren't following God today. They don't know God. They don't care to know God. They just want to go after truth. I want you to begin to pray that they would really find truth. Because if they really search for true truth, they will find God. In fact, God says this in Jeremiah. He says, if you search for me with all of your heart, you will find me. That's His promise to us. Number three, they gave themselves in worship first. The Scripture says, before they gave what they had in their hands, they gave what was in their hearts. It says they worshipped Him before they gave Him their gifts. And my point is very simply this. God is more concerned about you and your heart than He is about what you can do for Him. Sometimes we get the idea that God picked us because we would be a great find for God because we're so gifted. I want you to know, God doesn't need all of what you think you are the best at. God needs you, period. He needs your heart. He needs everything about you. And when you offer that in worship to God, God can put deposits within you that can actually help to express His glory and His purpose in the earth. Number four, they gave the gifts that they had. These were guys that just gave what they had. They gave what was in their hand. Um, When Jesus needed to feed the 5,000, his question is, what do you have? When Moses was called to deliver God's people, God says, what is it that you have in your hand? Now, admittedly, in these guys' specific situation, they, because of their position in life, had some pretty expensive gifts. But really, the heart of this is God only wants you to give what he gives to you, what you have in your hand. Whatever it is, you give it to God, and what you will find is that that thing will become a treasured thing in the hands of God. He can do amazing things. When Moses was asked, what's that in your hand? Moses says, it's just a stick. And God says, throw it down. And it becomes a serpent. And then God says, take it up, and it becomes the stick again. And it's interesting. From that point on, Moses never refers to it as a stick. From that point on, you, look, you go back into Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. From that point on, every time Moses refers to it, he calls it the rod of God, the rod of the Lord. You give what you have to God and see what He can do with it. These particular gifts, I believe, represent specific things. Gold or your money represents ownership. And my question to you is, Have you given ownership of your life to God today? I'm not saying, do you know you need a Savior? Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ. That's great. But is He the Lord of your life? Have you given complete ownership? Or do you want Jesus to save you so you can go to heaven, but you want to have control of your own life? And I want to suggest to you, you can't have Him be your Savior if He's not your Lord. He's either in charge of your life or He can't save you. So, gold represents ownership. Frankincense was a symbol of intimacy with God. It's one of the spices that they put into the, the uh, um, incense in the temple and in the tabernacle of God. It represents your worship. And my question to you this morning is Are you offering God your worship more than on a Sunday morning when we come in and we sing some songs? Is your life a worship to God? All that you do, all that you say, All that you are, do you give it to God? And then finally, myrrh. Myrrh was one of the spices that they used to bury the dead. And my question is, knowing that myrrh represents then sadness, grief, and suffering, have you even given that to God? To me, this represents things that we wonder about. Questions that we have. Things that don't make sense, but they are. I don't understand why Mike would suddenly pass. I don't understand it. Here's a man who's a vital man, young man, and yet suddenly gone. I don't understand why Tommy Crawford would suddenly get sick after all of these years and pass away so quickly. I don't understand why last year at this time, Bob Grant's wife would pass away on this very day, Christmas Day,
1: last year. I don't understand why Bob Campbell would get pneumonia and suddenly
0: pass away in the midst of the surgery. I don't understand a lot of things. But the question is this, are you able to bring your questions, your wonderings, and your doubts to God, but say, I'm still going to look to you no matter what? Because to me, that's what myrrh represents. Things that we don't understand. Questions we have. But it doesn't mean that we don't believe God. We keep our eyes on God saying, God, I don't understand, but I'm still going to worship you. That's what these gifts represent. They remind me that we can't worship God with something that doesn't cost us something. David put it this way, shall I offer to God that which costs me nothing? Our worship costs us dearly. Number five, if the wise men can find Jesus, then so can you. Think about all the barriers these guys had to go through. I mean, there, there, there was the cultural barrier, the distance barrier, language barrier, racial barrier, religious barrier. All these barriers they had to go through in order to find the Christ child. But if they can find Him, so can you. You've got to remember, this was not like a trip from here to Gainesville. We're talking about hundreds of miles that they traveled from Iraq to Jerusalem to Bethlehem in order to find Christ child. I, I don't know how many of you guys have traveled, but when my wife and I travel, it used to be like, I can remember one of our first longer trips. We drove straight through the night, literally on Christmas Eve. I got done preaching Christmas Eve service. We got in our car, which we had already packed. We got in our car and we drove literally overnight, 24 hours straight to get to Florida in order to be with her parents. That was it. Just straight through. At this stage in life, uh, we would probably stop two or three times on the way down now. It's just it gets uncomfortable sitting in that car for too long. Even when we go to Myrtle Beach now, which is shorter distance, we stop and stay overnight. Can't take it anymore in our body. Well, these guys didn't have nice cars to ride in. They would ride camels. Somebody said camels over here. They would ride camels, which by the way, how many of you have ever ridden a camel? They're not fun. They're not easy to ride. They're they're kind of a weird gate to that. And it's just like, these guys would ride for a while, then they'd stop, they'd sleep for the night, they'd get up with sore backs and sore rear ends, and they'd get back on and they'd go again. This was not like a comfortable trip for them. But these guys pressed through in order that they could find the Savior. Their commitment was so great that they made the trip regardless of the hardships. Number six, If God can use a star to reach these astrologers, then He can use anything to reach you. Don't be surprised at God's infinite variety in speaking to you. He can use um, just comments that people make. Uh, He can use uh, movies, songs. I was sitting in the mall uh, waiting for my wife recently. And I like the Starbucks area because they have the comfortable chairs at the Marketplace Mall. So as soon as she goes in, I drop her off over at the Penny's door and I drive up to the food court and I walk through and I go over and I sit down and I got my Kindle there and I'm sitting there listening. And all of a sudden I realize they're playing the same songs we're singing today. And then I notice around me people are singing. And I'm thinking, this is like having church right here. And then I began to think about it, and as I'm thinking about it, I feel like God drawing nearer to me, even in that moment. God can use anything to get your attention, regardless of what it is, as He did with these wise men. And finally, number seven, they were willing to take action. They didn't just stay at home and say, we saw a star, let's send a messenger. They got up off their rear ends and they did it themselves. They went after the Christ child until they found Him. They put commitment to their convictions. They put feet to their faith. They didn't just think about it. They just didn't pray about it. They got up and they did something. So my question today is, are you a seeker or are you a sitter? How is it that you do your life? So very simply, I see three responses in the story that we read today. The first was the wise men. These guys were seekers. They went after it. Uh, They did whatever it took in order that they could find The Savior. Then there's King Herod. King Herod, he actually believed that a king was born, but he felt threatened by him because he didn't want anybody to tell him what to do. He wanted to be in charge of his own life. And I wonder, is it possible that you're here today and though you believe in God, though you believe in a Savior, you haven't given your life to Him because you want to keep control of your own life. And then finally, the one group that we didn't talk too much about, but it, it's very prominent in the story for me, is these religious leaders. When the wise men come to Jerusalem and they say, where is he? Herod turns to his religious leaders and it's almost like they didn't even have to think much about it because they were taught these things from the time they were a young child. They said, well, according to the prophecies of the Scripture, this Christ child, this Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Interestingly, the wise men traveled for hundreds of miles to go see Christ. These religious leaders heard what had happened, saw the same star in the sky, wouldn't travel five miles. That's how far it was. Wouldn't travel five miles to go see Christ. They were indifferent. They were apathetic. They were just too busy living life. Yeah, I love God. Yes, I know a Messiah is going to be born. But, you know, well, if, if he's going to be born, he can come and see me on my turf. On my terms.
1: So, are you a uh, eager seeker, or are you perhaps a person who's apathetic? Just
0: yeah, it's like okay, you know, I I know that God's real, but I just don't want to upset my life too much. Or are you more like Herod, who said, "Okay, I need a savior, but I'm the one who says what happens in my life. I'm in charge." So, one final thought for this Christmas message. This is a moral story. So I want to ask you a question. Ready? Listen carefully. You have to give an answer. Once there were three
1: frogs on a log, one of them decides to jump off. How many are left? How many? Two. Would you agree? The answer is three. Because one only decided, he never
0: jumped. So, my question is are you just spending all your time sitting on a log? When are you going to jump for Christ? So, would you bow your heads with me? On this Christmas morning in which we celebrate the birth of Christ, this would be a great time for you to recommit your heart to the Lord to going after Him, to let Him be the Lord of your life. Not just something you put on at Christmas time and show up for your family. but You actually serve Jesus. You give Him your whole life. Or maybe for you, you don't know Jesus. You you could even be coming to church Sunday after Sunday, but you've never given your life to Jesus at all. You like the idea. You like the morality of it. But you haven't given your life to Jesus. My question is, isn't it time on this day of all days in which we celebrate the fact that God sent His Son to save us? Wouldn't this be a good time to give your life to Jesus? And to really celebrate Christmas as it was intended to be? So I want to pray for each of you. I don't know where you're at, but if you're somebody who doesn't know Jesus, this would be a good time to just say, Jesus, would You be the Lord of my life? Would You take charge of my life? And if you're somebody who has known God, but you've been kind of living for yourself, now would be a good time to say, God, I'm sorry. It's just not right that I live for myself. I want to live for you. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one who is gathered here on this Christmas morning as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, your Son. And we know that even as we read this story in Matthew, that... People had different responses to you. We had Herod who was hostile to you. I don't know that there's anybody hostile, but I think we can live our lives in such a way that certainly indicates that we don't want you to tell us what to do. Then there were the religious leaders who believed in you, but were just too lazy to do anything about it. They were too busy just living their lives. But then there were the wise men who are willing to drop everything and travel for hundreds of miles through extraordinary hardship in order that they might find you. In this day, Father, we want to give our lives like the wise men. We want to be wise men and women, wise young boys and girls, and say, we're going to go until we find Jesus. We want to give all that we have, our whole hearts and our whole lives to you on this Christmas morning. So Lord, for those that don't know You, but whose hearts are turned towards You right now, I pray that You would come near to them and You would make Yourself known, even as You did for the wise men. Let them know that You are real and that You're here and that You love them. For those that already know it, they've experienced You in the past, but who have been wandering, I pray, God, that today would be a day in which they turn their hearts afresh to You. And that we all as one body could truly celebrate Christ the Lord today. We give glory to You who is the true Christ child. In the name of Christ, Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and have a great rest of your Christmas day.